Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray, let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because people anointed to receive and together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of jesus thank you for wisdom revelation and insights in jesus mighty name we pray this evening i'd like to have a very brief conversation with you on um, our subject of following god's plan for your life and following god's plan for your life it's important for us to if you have not um, we're not here in the last two sundays Make sure that you get the message and, um, and follow the part one and two. Out of all the messages I've preached, all of them are important, but I think that this is one of the most important messages you would constantly need in your life. You can never outgrow following God's plan for your life. Praise God. So, I want to look at the third part in the series of following God's plan for your life. And I start by saying, prayer helps us to embrace God's plan for our lives. Prayer helps us to embrace. I want you to note the word embrace. Another word for embrace there would be accept God's plan for our life. Because, you know, sometimes we know what God's plan for our life is, right? But accepting it is difficult. You know? Accepting it is difficult. So it's not very easy to embrace the plan of God for your life. It's not very easy to embrace what God wants you to do. You know, so, so through prayers. You know, one of the things about prayers in, in the body of Christ that we need to re, re, realign our minds to is that prayer has always been like where we ask God to do something. Right? So every time we talk about prayer, what comes to your mind? What I want to ask God for. Right? Like, what is God going to do for me? Oh God, help me do this. Oh God. So we always see prayer as an art of asking and receiving, not an art of consecration. Or consecration, rather. Consecration. To consecrate ourselves. Which means that we come into the presence of God, not asking anything, but making ourselves available to Him. We must begin to see prayer as a method of fellowship, of just Communing with the Lord. That's why sometimes you find it sometimes difficult to pray for a long time. If you tell people, let's just pray and worship the Lord. You know, people don't know what to say. Then you now hear things like, call him sweet names, call him sweet names. Make sure you're not calling God names that he is not. You understand? And then we now bring, you know, all our romantic languages. The one who never forsakes me, who goes and I come, who we are together. You leave all those stuff. Just take, stick with the word. It's good to call God sweet names. Then some people say, call him names in your native language. Your native language might not be an accurate expression of who the Father is. Your native language might be, you know, your, your, your people are used to the God of thunder. And now they have, they have become Christians. They, they now look for a way to describe God in a thunderous manner. You know, and... and, and uh, you know what? Some, I mean, it's beautiful. But especially people, I mean, like Yorubas and Igbos, they have all these diverse names for God because their language is, is, is vast. 
my, my language, I probably do not even know what God, I know what God is called in my language, I mean, the main God. But outside of that, I don't, I don't know any name that is sweet enough within the context of my local language. So I stay within the New Testament. Now, <laughs> now when I was traveling back from um, Ethiopia, Ethiopia has um, a, a version of Christianity. It's called the Coptic Christians. Now, there were Christians who, if you, I know some of you now, I know you're born again now. But if you were a staunch follower of Bob Marley before you got born again, you realize that Bob Marley, Hei Salasi, and all this Ethiopian Rastafarian religion, it's almost, they almost have a form of Christianity, right? I said, right? Okay. Don't say you were just following voice of the cross since you were born. Okay. Now, the Coptic Christians, they, they, they have a sense of they were Christians who were never corrupted by all of that. And, you know, Ethiopia is one of the um, African nations that was really never colonized. Now, so you have a lot of um, Jewish rabbis who come to, to Ethiopia for stuff and, and stuff like that. So on the flight, uh, there was this Jewish rabbi close to me who was studying in Jerusalem. They are South Africans, but they went to, to Israel to study. Now, I'm going somewhere. But I realized that almost throughout the flight, the children were just calling the man Abba. Abba, you know Abba, right? Abba Father. You know, they were just calling him Abba, Abba. That was all the names they were calling. They were calling, um, calling their own father. So it struck a chord in my heart. So I had to ask him. I said, well, you know, I'm a pastor, but I just really want to find out. Why is it that your children call you Abba? And the man said, you know, that within the context of the Hebrew culture, there is no more intimate name to call your father than father. You understand that? There is no word that is more intimate, that is more close than to just call him father. And you remember the scripture says that he pours his spirit in our hearts that we might do what? We might call him Abba Father. There is nothing that shows your closeness and your relationship to God more than just calling him who? Father. Now, I'm going somewhere. Why is that? It is because when we come into his presence as father and son, we can come for just fellowship. Right? We're not coming to ask anything. We just want to spend time with our father. I don't know if you, if, you, if you get what I'm saying. So we're not meeting him as miracle worker. We're not meeting him as a need meter. We're not meeting him as defender of the defense, defenseless. We're not meeting him as father to the widow. Oh, sorry, okay, husband to the widow, father to the fatherless. We're not meeting him in those functions. We're meeting him in relationship. This is important because... You can't never walk in the plan of God for your life if you only relate to God because of what He does. Are we together? Come on, are we together? If I, if, if I just relate to you based on what you can give to me, I will never know your heart for me. How many of you know you can give people stuff and you never correct them? Right? You can just give them. Whatever they ask, you give them. But if you are... Somebody with a relationship, you can say, come, come, come. I'm not giving you this because of this, 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 this. So listen very carefully. The fact that God is meeting all your needs does not mean you're following his plan for your life. God is a good God. Are we together? I say God is a good God. 
So the fact that God is meeting your needs, I ask and he answers. It doesn't mean you're following God's plan for your life. He could meet your need out of his mercy. He could meet your need out of, out of um, his love for you. So that's why I'm talking about the context of relationship. It is relationship you'll be able to know, no. Am I in the plan of God? Am I in the center of God's will for my life? Now, four things I want you to know, and then we'll read a couple of scriptures. Number one, for you to discern God's plan for your life, purify your motives. Everyone say, purify your motives. I can hear you. Say, purify your motives. Yeah. You have to purify your motives. Why do you want where you are going to? Is it because of money? What's your motive? What's your motive? You know, most times as ministers of the gospel, I, I, people come to, we, we talk, maybe with my friends, and sometimes they will say, you know, man of God, I'm planning, God is leading me to Lagos. The first question I ask is, why Lagos? Why Abuja? Why Port Harcourt? Because these are places where naturally, to the human mind, you will have more prosperous people in your church. It's natural. Why is God leading you to Canada? Why is God leading you to UK? Why is God leading you to South Africa? Why is God leading you to Mali? Why is it not leading you to Rwanda? Why is it not leading you to Burkina Faso? Why is it not leading you to Cameroon? Why is it that God always leads us to the UK? Why is he always leading us to America? Praise God. Isn't it amazing how God leads all of us to the UK and the US? And God leads the guys in the UK and US to Africa? God is wonderful in exchange programs. <laughs> You know, so the, so the first thing when a, a minister of the gospel tells me the first thing, you know, I just sense the Lord is calling me to America. I just want to show. I hope it's not dollars calling you. Let's be sure now. Let's be sure. Because that's the natural pathway for everybody. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So you have to purify your motive. This is important. When you're asking God, God, what is your will in this month? Is your motive pure? Is your heart pure? Can you accept God's will? And purifying your motives means you come before the Lord, not trying to tell the Lord how to answer you. You will be ready to take no for an answer. This is tough. Like God, search my heart. So you're not coming to say, oh God, what is your will in this place? No, you're just coming to him and say, hey Father, search my heart. Is my motive pure concerning this? Even as a pastor. You know, I can be so discouraged pastoring this church and I begin to get the impression that God is leading me out. Hello? Yeah. You can get a lot of discouragement. and You know, I sense that my season in this place is over. You're not sensing that your season is over. You are just discouraged and tired. So, if for instance, if I come as a pastor, maybe things are not going well, things are not happening well, I'm having a lot of persecution, things are tough, and I begin to say, Lord, what are you saying? Lord, what are you saying? Lord, what are you saying? You know what's going to happen? My mind is going to come up with visions. Then I'm going to start remembering the prophetic word that was given to me 10 years ago that after a while you shall move. After a while you shall move doesn't mean anything. And what, and funny enough, incidents and things will begin to tie up. Do, do you understand? And we will begin to form a pathway. That's why I tell people that when you're praying to seek the will of God for your life, stop looking at occurrences. The enemy can arrange occurrences to take you out of God's will. I canceled with someone recently and I was saying, oh, this happened. I said, listen, whether good or bad happens doesn't mean anything is God's will. 
God's will is just God's will. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to purify your motives. If not, circumstances will begin to give you a voice. And you will begin to have visions. And you will even sometimes have prophetic words to confirm the things you're saying. Because once your heart is focused on something, you create an environment around you that endorses that thing. That's why this is the most difficult part. And we're going to go to the life of Jesus now. One of the prayers you can always pray in your life is, God, not my will, but your will be done. You must come to that point of consecration to the will of the Father. If not, I mean, it happens a lot. You, you know, like people get married and after 10 years, the marriage is scattered. And they're like, oh. They, but maybe the first year of the marriage, when they describe how they met, like, praise the Lord, I was just going, and man, I just saw this flower, and the flower just opened, and I just saw the name Jane. And I said, Lord, what will I do with Jane? And God said, Jane is yours, and you are his. Oh. You that is not married, you'll be feeling like, God, I wish I could have a flower opening experience. Ten years down the line, you're like, woo, how, how did I meet you? Goats, dog, cats, fool, idiot. What happened? People just lived on their experiences. So that's why the key to following God's plan for your life is intimacy. Constant fellowship. Constant fellowship. You're not coming to God for what He will give to you. You're just coming to Him and say, God... Hey, come on. Just check my heart. Spirify my heart. I just want to be at the center of God's will. Because God's will for your life can grow. What I mean can grow is God can plan this for your life. And as you are faithful in that, what happens? He leads you into something else. And I tell people this. This is very important. Just follow God's will for your life today. When it comes to tomorrow, He will show you what you need to do. You know, there are some people who are like, 10 years time, God, what am I going to be doing for you? You know what God wants you to do right now? Show up on Sunday in church. Hear the message. Leave the message. I have never bothered my life about what's going to happen in the future. Because the future can only happen one day at a time. Are you following what I'm saying? The future can only happen what? One day at a time. So what's God's plan for me right now in my life? Prepare to teach on Sunday. Love my family. Love my kids. Be faithful to God's word. As I walk daily with him... What happens? He directs my path into his will for my life. There are times where you can come before the Lord where you have two options to, to choose from. I mean, those are... But if you really want to constantly follow God's plan for your life, walk with him daily. Just follow him daily. So, number one, you purify your motives. Number two, be honest in your prayers. Be honest in your prayers. So, let's take, for instance, you want to marry someone. Let me use that example. So you want to marry someone. But you really like uh, you really like the person for certain reasons. When you come before the Lord and you are asking what's God's will, be honest before the Lord and say, Father, if you leave me, I will choose this person. Because of this reason and this reason and this reason. But Lord, I'm open to your will. Do you understand? Don't go and just feel like, oh, you know, I'm praying. But your heart, you must... That's why in, 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 in seeking the will of God for your life, you're not coming and praying to Him like, like, you know, like God in that sense, but like Father. So you're not coming and saying, Oh God, I worship you. I thank you. The one who opened the gates and no one can close. Just leave all that. Just come to Him and say, Father, listen, <laughs> I need to get married now. And there are two girls in my life. This one, I like this one. I like girls from this tribe. Natural defaults. 
if this is not your will, just help me make the right choice. In those prayers, you are honest. You're not deceiving yourself. You're not wanting God to answer according to the image of your heart. Are, are you following what I'm saying? I mean, there are, I'm using that because that's an example that relates to everybody. Whether you, some of you are already married, some of you get married. That's some girls naturally by default you just like. You just maybe like girls who are bulky, you like girls who are tall, you like chocolate, you like tomato color, you like pepper, you like onion color girls, whatever color you like. There's all kinds of flavor in the world. And naturally, you would always think the will of God is in the direction of your personal choice. So when you're coming to the Lord in that place, you're honest before Him. If you want to take a job because of the money, be honest to God and say, God, listen, the money I'm any here is, is because of the money I'm praying for this job. Is it your will for me to take it? In that way, you're honest. But you're not saying, oh God, for instance, you, you want to take a job. One is paying one million dollars. One is paying five hundred thousand dollars. How many of you know what you will choose already? Oh, come on. What are you going to choose already? One million dollars. But does that mean it, it's God's will for you? Might not necessarily be. So, now, Let's assume that I have a church who wants to pay me $1 million as a pastor. And another church wants to pay me $500 as a pastor. Where do you think I want to go to? $500? i am not that spiritual. I'll go to $1 million. <laughs> Do you understand? Now, if I want to pray about that church choice, what am I going to pray? Lord, based on the meeting of my needs, I'll opt for the one of $1 million. But I want to know what is your heart for me. What have I done? I have come before the Lord honestly. To say, God, if you leave me, I'm choosing this one. You know. But what do you want from me? Now, that kind of prayer is honest. Now, imagine I'm coming before the Lord and I say, Lord, you know, you told us at the beginning of this year that this is the year of increase. <laughs> and multiplication and fruitfulness. And I see your hand clearly that you have set me up for multiplication. How many of you know what I'm already telling God? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think I'm telling God? I'm just saying, God, I already know because you said you will multiply me. You have made it one million. And there I am going. Now, I haven't approached the Lord in honesty. What I've tried to do is to religiously tie the hands of God in the direction of my will by saying that his year of multiplication means it's one million dollars. Do you, do you understand how honest it is? So, honesty in the place of prayer comes, you tell God, listen, this is where I will choose. But what do you want from me? So let's take a natural example. If a, if a young man comes to you, right? If a young man comes to you and says, most of you adults are counselors. You want to marry a girl, right? The young person comes to you and says, okay, you're my mentor. I really want to marry this girl. This is the girl I would like to marry out of, this, out of the two of them. But what do you think? Or what would you advise me? How many of you know that young man has positioned himself for you to tell him the truth? Are we together? Come on now, follow me. Are we together? He's positioned himself because he's told you, this is what I like, but I want your wisdom. What about if the person comes and says, you know, you know, I have two girls I want to marry, but there's this one. Uh, just thank God for the way things are going. God has just been walking. Just walking. We don't even know how he's walking, but we know God is walking. How many of you know you're just telling that way? The way God is walking with you, let him keep walking. Let me have the date. Because what that person has just told you is, I have come to inform you not to seek your, your opinion. 
So when we are praying, and this is important, don't miss this. When we are praying the prayer of consecration for the will of God, where it is not obvious, we are not coming to inform God. We are coming to seek His wisdom. So I'm not coming to say, oh God, this is what I want to do. Because listen, good things might not be God's plan for you. I will, I will look at that in the life of Paul. He wanted to go and preach in Vietnam, now. And God says, no, preaching is not bad. So we're not, listen, and why I'm teaching this, why I decided to finish up this series today is this. We're not teaching about choosing between good and bad. Now, this is where you have a, a choice of two good things, but you don't know what is God's plan for you. So, we're not saying choosing between, no. You have two wonderful sisters. You need to marry one person. You can't marry two. You can't say, okay, I'll marry you first, then later I'll come back to you. You can't do that. You have two jobs. Naturally, you should go for a job that is high paying. You need to move to a country. Everybody can make that decision to move for security reasons, for whatever. If you want to move for security reasons, what do you do? You come before the Lord and say, God, I don't feel safe. <laughs> I want to run away. And God can deal with that in your heart. God can make that adjustment and say, listen, if it's the issue of safety, we can deal with it here. I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm saying. You don't now try to give yourself reasons. Oh, Nigeria is not good. Oh, this country is finished. Don't go there. Don't go there. If you're going to see greener pastures, be honest before the Lord and say, God, listen, I think my life will be better there. And allow the Lord to speak because one of the things about life is this. If you do not have answers to those questions, even when you leave, those questions will still bug you. Alright. So, number two, be honest in your prayers. Number three, do not make God say what is in your mind. Do not make God say what is in your mind. If you're trusting God for to know His will or His plan concerning your life, do not try to pray God to endorse something. Alright? Do not try to make God to say what is in your mind. In the book of Ezekiel, it says, I will answer them according to the idols of their heart. And this is very, very important in the areas of Especially marriage. Especially we have quite a number of young people here. Especially marriage. You need to be careful of dreams, visions, prophetic. I, 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 I remember a funny story. You know, all those prophetic, some churches where people prophesy all over the place. I've gone to meetings when I was still single. I've gone to meetings to preach. And people give me prophetic word about my wife. Not my wife now. <laughs> And you know, those prophecies were very easy to escape because the people they pointed with my wife, naturally, I don't like them. So it was easy for me to just know this is not God's will. You know, confusion would have set in if they were people that I'm naturally attracted to. So that's the challenge. So sometimes if you are naturally attracted to people and you are in between this confusion of choices, then it's when you need to now allow the honesty of your heart to come in the place of prayer and allow God to guide you. But the problem with us is that we make all our choices, we wrap up everything, and we just present them before the Lord. That's, that's the difficult thing. That's the difficult thing. And then you even hear people say, I've prayed about it. No, I've prayed about it doesn't mean you prayed right. Your praying about it could just be you informed God. Look God, I'm going to marry December. I hope you are aware. Yes, okay, I've prayed about it. <laughs> what, what kind of prayer is that? You just informed God. So number three... You do not make God say what is in your mind. 
Now, the case in this, let me just stay on that point a bit. The case on that is, how many of you remember Balaam and Balak? Right? God told Balaam, don't go. You know what Balaam did again? He prayed again. He prayed again. He prayed again. He prayed again. Until God now says, go. What do you think happened in that transaction? The, the scripture calls it the madness of a prophet. Because of money, Balaam kept praying until he made God say what he wanted to hear. Because God had already told him, don't go. But the man kept praying, kept asking God. He says, increase the money. Let's ask him again. Let's ask God. Maybe God was sleeping the last time we prayed. And I said, go. He, come, he, he prayed himself out of God's will for his life. So there's a way you can pester on things and pester on things and pester on things. When you sleep, you just see yourself. Maybe you want to marry someone, you want to relocate, you want to change churches or something. Before you sleep, you just see yourself there. And you just see a description script, um, on the wall. Here you will be. I'm with you. You just wake up and say, I, I saw it. <laughs> I saw here you will be. I'm with you. The devil can write here you will be. I'm with you. doesn't mean it's God. So sometimes in critical decisions, you just want to be honest before the Lord. And one of the things believers must never get involved with, I know some people try to do that, is fleas. Um, Gideon did that. But in the New Testament, we don't go by fleas. Like, oh God, if it is your will, let the first car enter be red. What? You will enter many red cars and drive out of God's will. Do you understand? You shouldn't use that as a New Testament believer. If this is happening, let me get... No, 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 don't do that. Just God can speak to you. You see, one of the first qualifications that you are the son of God is that you hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. If you're honest before the Lord, he will guide you. Praise the name of the Lord. Then another thing for married couples, I'll just say this, because I was cancelling with someone and I had to tell them, for married couples also, I just want to say this, I feel the Lord will have me say this, for those who listen and those who are here. For married couples also, make sure you are not forcing your leading on your wife. So even as pastors, I mean, that's what I tell my wife. Sometimes I feel led, we want to do something. And I'll ask my wife, say, what do you feel about this? You know, pray about it. And sometimes she says, I remember the recent decision I wanted to make. So I said, I'm, fine, I'm having this sense in my heart. What do you think? She said, oh, if you're having this sense in your heart, you know, go ahead with it. I said, no. What do you think? You know, I said, oh, I'm not feeling anything. That's okay. Well, you have to trust me on this one. So I know that I am making the decision based on the fact that I said I've heard God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, I'm, so I just told her, don't worry. Don't bother to pray. Just trust me that this my sensing is correct. Follow the sensing. You know, but because it's a decision that is not impactful on, okay, it's something we need to give. So it's not something that, uh, okay, let me give you an example. If it is like, do we need to leave Bonnie to go plant a church somewhere? I'm not going to tell her that. Because that's a major life-changing decision. I don't know if you, if you follow what I'm saying. So there are some decisions that one partner can just write. But there are other decisions where you have to wait for that partner to also be led of the Lord. And both of you come into agreement. Do you follow what I'm saying? Are we together? Are we together? Alright. Number four. Consecrate yourself to obey God regardless of the outcome. Consecrate yourself to obey God regardless of what? Of the outcome. What does that mean? If God tells me A, I will go A. If God tells me B, I will go B. 
I don't have a preferred choice. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. So I come before the Lord. I have two good choices. So let's take the case of the job. Let's leave women alone now. <laughs> let's take the case of the job. Right? Let's take the case of the job. So there's a job for one million. There's a job for 500,000. Which one did all of us agree we will go for? One million. No prayer point about that. But now we want to know God's plan for our life. So what do we come? We come before the Lord and say, Lord, if it is the one of 500, I am ready to go. If it is the one of 1 million, I am ready to go. How many of you know you have purified your heart to hear God's mind? I know even in the example, some of us are finding it difficult. That God cannot say 500. We know this God. He's a good God. Even to say amen to the example. It's not the example now. It's difficult. You're like, no. Pastor, rephrase that example. So, because God's plan for some of our lives is not what we automatically choose. So let me give you an example from the Bible. If you were Joseph and God says your ultimate destiny is to be a prime minister. Plan the route on how to get there. How many of you are going to say, well, I think I should be sold. No, I'll not be sold. I'll be put in the pit first. Let my brothers hate me one. Put in the pit then I should be sold as a slave. Then maybe just do prison for like two years, two, two and a half years thereabout. Then become a prime minister. How many of you are going to map that route? No way. No way. Even me that is preaching, I won't do prison. <laughs> do you get the point? So, how many of you know if you want to follow God's plan for your life and God has told you you'll be a prime minister, what's going to happen? You'll just be in your house one day and then Buari will just call you. I walk 800 kilometers today. I can't walk no more. Come and be president. You know that's what is going to happen. That's how you're going to map it. So that's why we're talking about embracing the plan. Right? On this third session, we're not just talking about following the plan. We're talking about what? Embracing it. Accepting it. How many of you know if you were Jesus, you would want to die for the world without the cross? Have you watched the passion of, is it the passion of Christ or the it's the passion of Christ. Have you watched it? How intense the crucifixion was. And that crucifixion was not intense enough because it was a movie. It's like, let me say, 75% of what crucifixion is. Let me explain something to you. Crucifixion is not, you know, when we sing it today, you know, you died for me, you rose up, the nail held you. you are, we, we rejoice. <laughs> crucifixion was not for good people. Crucifixion was for the hardest of criminals. So it was not like, you know, Jesus is a good man. Let's kill him in a nice way. No. It was like, Jesus is somebody who wants to overthrow the Roman government. Let's use him as an example to people not to try this rubbish. That's why the scripture says in the book of Isaiah that even his natural face we could not look at. He was mad beyond recognition. If you study the scriptures, you discover that Jesus literally stumbled under the weight of the cross. So it's not the one you carry on Palm Sunday that you are strolling. It was heavy. He, he literally stumbled. Because it was heavy wood that needed to hold his massive body. And his massive body was held by nails. So you know it's not six inches nail, right? So, what I'm trying to say is, nobody would write that as part of the plan. I want to die for the whole world. Okay, God, let me just die in my sleep. <laughs> and then I'll write a note for them. I have died in my sleep. If you believe in me, 
you shall be saved. It looks nice. So we must learn to embrace the will of God for our lives. Number five, let your mind be on things above. So let's do a bit of scriptures. Colossians 3, 2. Let your mind, set your mind on things above. So let, let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 now. Just read something there. Colossians 3, 2. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? I didn't hear you. Are you still here? Are you learning something? Okay. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So let me give you an example. You are praying concerning a job, right? Concerning a job, like we give example, $1 million and $500. Now, if you are someone who sets your mind on things on the earth, what is going to be your primary motivation for picking the one of $1 million? The money, right? But one of the ways to be able to walk in the will of God for your life is to set your mind on things above. So the first question you're going to ask yourself now, right? We are, we need to make a decision. We need to set our mind on things above. So the first question I ask myself, if I pick the job in this location, am I going to grow spiritually? Right? Let's say you have a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility. Will I be able to carry out this spiritual responsibility there? So your decisions right now are based on the things of the spirit. Not just the material thing, which is money. Not just the earthly thing. Not just the earthly comfort. Not just the earthly, uh, you know, now I have something to post on Facebook. Right? Now I have something. No, it's not just that. It's not the comfort. It's not the security. So let me use myself as an example, as a pastor. If I'm praying concerning God's will for my life. And there's a church of 1,000 members. There's a church of 500 members. How many of you know naturally I'm going to go to the church of 1,000 members? So if I want to set my mind on things above in this way, I'm not going to look at the numbers. The numbers are the, the material thing. I'm going to look at, for instance, let's say I'm a pastor right now. I'm going to ask myself, where is the need greatest? Where is the need greatest? Now, this church, do they have access to more word than this particular church? I'm going to now use spiritual determinants to just try to make a choice. Which one really needs to be taught the word of God? It might be the one of 1,000. It might be the one of 500. Right? Maybe the one of 1,000 is, is in a choice location that naturally they might have the chances of having more pastors. And this one might not even have the chances of having pastors anymore. If I'm being led by the spirit, I'll go where the need is greatest. But if I'm led by my just my mind. I'm going to get, where are we going to have more comfort? I mean, when you write on, on Facebook, he passes a 1,000 member church. Oh, wow. Massive. Big boy. Right? So we need to learn to set our minds on things in the spirit. For the believer, every choice is important. It is either your choice is taking you in the plan of God for your life or the center of God's will for your life or taking you out of God's will. There are no two ways. Every choice you make is important. Choice of where to fellowship, choice of who to marry, choice of where to go, choice of your job. Everything is important. So no choice is to be taken lightly. You can't say, I'll choose this one. When it comes to this one, that's when I'll ask God. Because that's why we struggle a lot. We make all the choices. When it comes to major one, maybe marriage, ministry, key things. That's when we ask the Lord. No, if you want to follow God's plan for your life, every choice in your life is what is important. Uh, so let's go to the prayer of consecration. Luke chapter 22. Let's do like three or four scriptures and we can wrap up. Are you learning something today? Luke 22. Let's look at verse 41. 
Luke 22, verse 41. And I really, I want to, I don't know if I have the time, but I really want to spend the time to teach on the humanity of Jesus. Because, you know, sometimes the way we relate to Jesus, especially in the Gospels, we relate to him as just God. So, we don't, sometimes we don't connect his life with our life. And it stops us from getting so much out of the Gospels. But let's look at Luke 22, verse 41. 22, 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, see that expression again, Abba, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So what was the option Jesus would have chosen if not the will of the Father? Not to go through the cross. Right? Come on now, church. Right. That's what he would have taken. <laughs> if there is a way we can walk around this cup thing. What was he referring to as the cup? The cross. He says, but not my will. Now look at what happened. Then an angel appeared to, to, um, to him from heaven, strengthening him. So you see that Jesus needed strengthening to follow God's plan for his life. So when we pray sometimes that you be strengthened with might in the inner man. What are we praying? So that when the time comes for you to embrace God's will, you can say yes. He, Jesus needed strengthening. He didn't stroll to the cross. Like, yeah, I'm going to die like 5 o'clock. Okay, let's come. Let's go. <laughs> I will soon die. That's not what happened. Then the disciples, he said they should pray around him. The guys just slept. He came and said, pray with me for one hour. He slept again. Pray with me. The guy slept again. Last time, I said, oh, you guys can keep sleeping. That's why a minister of the gospel must never get disappointed when people around him betray him or do all kinds of things. It's, it's part of the human nature. If people are not walking strong in the spirit, they'll never be faithful to you. And that's what Jesus wanted. Jesus wanted them to be strong in the spirit. And you know what happened? When um, they came to crucify him, they came to get him. What did Peter do? Come on, what did Peter do? Just took sword and cut someone's ear. Pyah! think you can kill a master like that? <laughs> Jesus Christ said, Peter, no, 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 no. This is not the approach. That's why I said you should pray. Because what Peter would have started was a sword fight. Say, Thomas, you have your sword. Say, take it. Nobody's taking a master. They would have killed all of them. And instead of Jesus going to the cross, they would have just beheaded him. <laughs> so, you know, look for a replacement. Ah, the first person we sent was beheaded. Who can go for us? Peter would just mess up God's plan. Say, keep your sword, please. That's why I said you should pray. Now, what is that? If we are not in the place of prayer, we will respond to life by our human senses. How was Jesus able to embrace God's plan for his life on the cross? He spent time in prayer. Intense prayer. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. How many of you know that this intense prayer was not that people should die? This intense prayer was like, God, let me be able to do your will. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you fall into temptation and all that. Uh, so Jesus prayed that. Luke chapter 6. There was a time he also spent a lot of time to pray before making a choice. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. Luke 6 12. And if you keep following God every day of your life, you find that these choices will become easy. Wow. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. Look at this. And when it was day, he... Uh, no, let's go to verse 12. Yeah. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. 
And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve who were also named apostles. So what you find here is that Jesus had many disciples, and he came and named twelve and said, you're going to be apostles. Before he made the choice of twelve who were to be apostles, what did he do all night? He prayed all night. So what was the prayer supposed to help him do? To make the right choices. How many of you know one of the number one problems you have in church is pastors ordaining people without praying? Just choosing people carnally. And you just choose one devil incarnate as your associate. Before you know, trouble just starts. Because we just feel, the way that guy is, is very spiritual. You know people can dress very spiritual. Come to church all the time, just talking and carve their hair very sharp. Nothing is out of place. Before you say, praise the Lord, they have said amen. Just very sharp, neatly dressed. Always carrying Bible in their armpits. They don't use iPad. They carry the real old King James. Asian, thee, thou, withers, comers, we are going. Kind of thing. Very serious. Never late for service. And meanwhile, the guy does not have a walk with God. So see, I, I sense the Lord is saying the time for the oil is now. And you just lay hands on the guy. <laughs> and then, like a pastor like this that travels. When you not travel one time, the guy will just say, how many of you have observed that any time pastor travels, there's a move of the spirit that is different? <laughs> and you now, we just say, mm, we even sense it. Just come one day, the guy will say, sir, the Lord has told me it's time to go and light your own fire. And then half of the church is gone. <laughs> and that's how people also marry, marry devils in their house. Just his sister, before they start worshiping, she started crying. Just say, ha. She said, ah, the sister just likes God. Maybe she just remembered that she was owing someone. And after church, they are going to collect the money. And because of that, I just say, I love you. Say, have you prayed? Say, there's no need to pray. I see the way you react to worship. Just crying. Maybe she's crying based on what happened in her past life. That she has not found a way to forgive. She just remembers. She just started crying. And you too, you are just like, wow, this sister is easily touched by the Spirit. And then until you carry her home, you just realize that tears is within these four walls. When she lives here, she cries for nothing. <laughs> and like, God, what happened? No. You must trust the Lord to guide you. How many of you know the prophet was led to marry a prostitute? How many of you can put that as plan of your life? Say, I'm, I'm a prophet of God, but I'm going to marry a prostitute. No, no, your parents will not agree. Even your pastor will not agree. Say, man of God, we know that you serve God, but calm down. You see, in these matters, they don't do it like that. You have to listen to the elder. Nobody will agree. How many of you care what I'm saying? If you were to fix the lineage of, of Jesus as a historian, will you put Rahab there? You wouldn't put Rahab. You want all the clean, clean girls in church. So what I'm trying to say is this. Nothing proves the will of God but the will of God. And every one of us, there is a specific path for us. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Uh, fulfilling God's plan comes from what? Intimacy. Fulfilling God's plan comes from intimacy. Jesus Christ says, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. That's how to fulfill God's plan for your life. Ah. Uh, Alright, 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 alright. John five nineteen twenty. quickly. 
Do too much scriptures. So time is gone. John 5, 19, 20. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may travel. For the Father loves the Son. So, knowing God's plan for your life comes from what? Loving the Father also. Just as God loves you, you do what? You love Him. You just say, God, I love you. In the basis of love, the revelation of God is shown. I've read this before, so I don't want to spend time on that. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 9. Remember when Paul wanted to preach in Vietnam, wanted to preach in all of those cities, God says no, and God now says, come to Macedonia. What I wanted to say from here is that good things might not be God's will. To preach is a good thing, right? But you might want to go to a country to preach and God says, no, don't go to that country. So the fact that you have a desire to do something for God doesn't mean it is God's will. Are we together? Let's take another quick example. David wanted to build God a temple. Is building God a temple a good thing? But what did God tell him? Don't do it. So the fact that you even have a good intention towards the things of God doesn't mean God wants you to do it. And that's one of the problems we have today. A lot of people have gone into ministry by intentions. They just have good intentions and just feel called. And they just quickly turn oil on their head. And they don't know that, listen, you have to be called to this thing. Are you following that? So you have people who are called and their wives don't agree. You just said, ah, he said he's a pastor. Have you seen when your, your wife tell people that you said that you are a pastor? <laughs> you know, so everybody just come and say, oh, Pastor James, Pastor James. You just come and say, James, come. Because in her mind, that pastor is you and your people. To me, you are James. Not called. Not out of humility. It's out of a conscious and deliberate effort to say, that's your office. I don't recognize it. All right. So we cannot do good things just by intentions. Last scripture, Colossians 1. And listen to me tonight. Please, pray this prayer over your life. Colossians chapter 1. Let's just read from verse 9 to 12. Make sure you spend time praying this prayer all the time for your life. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let me pause there to say this quickly. If you are filled with the knowledge of God's will, two things you require to walk in the knowledge of God's will are what? Wisdom and understanding. So God might have called you to ministry. There is a wisdom to it. Right? So when you pray in this prayer, what are you praying? Lord, I know your will and I know the wisdom to accomplish it. How to go about it. Pray for you that... That as that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, verse 10, what's the result of that? That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. This one prayer... I assure you, if you pray this prayer constantly, you'll never walk out out of God's will for you. And you can say it as a confession. Father, I thank you that I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That my life is fully pleasing to the Lord. You can just say that every day. 
Lord, I thank you that I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that I walk in ways pleasing to you. That I'm strengthened with might. In all long-suffering and patience. With joy. Why do you need to be strengthened with might? Because some of God's plan for your life will take long-suffering. You know what long-suffering means? You will suffer long. Do you understand that? There's no Greek word to it. It just means the suffering is going to be long. <laughs> to get into the plan for your life. It's all, it's all not going to be rosy. Following God's plan for your life is not all going to be prosperous. It's not going to no, know some hard times will come. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's be on our feet. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 805 888 God bless you.